Welcome back to the Whitney Whiskey Cast for the last episode of season three. I'm all sad. It is sad. It's very sad. But uh, but before we end the episode, let's start it. Uh, I'm DJ Gagnon <laughs> here with my co-host, who is currently laughing, Mark Rossetti. I mean, it's generally you know better to start something before you finish it. What, what's the old Mitch, Mitch Hedberg joke? I was watching a boxing match, and the announcer said, this is a f- fight to the finish. And I went, that's a good place to end. <laughs> yeah. It's truth. It's truth. But, uh, yeah, no, I, we're here for the last episode of season three. We, uh, we aren't doing Prohibition this week. I, I know. Surprise, surprise. I mean, we could. No, we're not. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. We're, we're not. <laughs> um. But we are doing a really fun topic that, uh, to close out season three before we kind of take the next four or five weeks off, depending on how, uh, how that goes. Uh, we'll be firmly into the spooky month by the time uh, we, we come back into your ears. But we'll, we'll have some cool stuff uh, in the feed between now and then. How excited are you for October? Uh, I'm already drinking pumpkin spice in all of my coffee. Yeah, you're, you're a fall boy, aren't you? Uh, I like most seasons. I am a little sad that it's like the end of summer because one of my favorite flavors is pineapple and I'm like, it's just going to disappear for like nine months. I like me some pineapple too. I, uh, this was the first summer that I went out of my way to find Dole Whips. Gesundheit? You've never had a Dole Whip? I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. It's like a frozen non-dairy pineapple treat. Well, why don't you just buy pineapple? Because it's amazing. It's like it's like pineapple sorbet, but it's a little bit sweeter. It's just really good, and you need to try a Dole Whip. I mean, that sounds like you're an S&M fetishist that is low on equipment. You know, you got to watch my whip's dull. No, no, get it, the, Dole Whip. No, it's terrible. I'll be here all week, folks. It's a terrible joke, but no, it's like pineapple juice. You can make it with dairy. Like I like to put a scoop of vanilla ice cream in, but you don't need to. Um, you can do like frozen pineapple chunks and some sugar, a little bit of lemon juice, some salt, and it's just really good. I can't believe you haven't had a Dole Whip. I just eat like I like to buy like whole pineapples and just cut them up and eat them at home. Yeah, I do that too, but like it's summer, you have frozen treats. Okay, I mean, fair enough. It has its origins in Disneyland if uh, if that helps you no, understand. No, I definitely won't try it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't support Nazism, but hey, get out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we're here, tell me about your week. It's been fucking crazy. Um, you know, a lot of work, BS, uh it was this week was the er well, it was the late celebration of the one hundred and thirtieth anniversary of St. Conrad slash the early celebration of the one hundred and thirty first anniversary Jesus. of St. Conrad's. Because obviously last year was the one thirtieth. You know, the club was founded in eighteen ninety and we weren't able to celebrate last year, but technically the first week of November is the anniversary. So there was a gap in everyone's schedules, so we scheduled the party for this week. We had a big uh, pig roast, which is just delicious. Uh, Ronnie Foy, a buddy of mine, he's on the board of the club, too, with me. He, uh, in the course of 36 hours, got about three hours of sleep and 
just slow roasted this pig by hand, and it was delicious. Uh, mayor came, made a big proclamation, blocked off the road. We had a big party. So it was a good time. Uh, and, you know, we're already looking for shit to do for 132 because there's no rest for the wicked. That's amazing. Uh, what about you? What'd you do this week? Uh, it was a really good week. Uh, we had a really great win at work. Uh, my, my team actually, like, went above and beyond uh, and, and got some really good work done this week. And um, that was just really cool. It was, like, a busy week to make sure that, like, everything happened right. But uh, other than that, I... What, what else did I do this weekend? I'm always surprised by this question. Um you are. It's yeah. literally the end of three complete seasons of the show. <laughs> and you're always like, what the fuck did I do? I, I always think about it ahead of time, and then it goes out the back of my head, because ADD is fun, folks. Um, I did uh, find out this week that the front step up into my house was starting to fall apart. And so I was like, well, that's not great. And the way that it fell apart is that the first board and part of the structure started to swing away from the step. And when I pulled it back, I realized that there's a giant, beautiful granite slab step right underneath it. So for whatever reason, the previous owners decided they didn't like granite and just covered it in wood. And so I was like, well, fuck this. And I just ripped out all of the wood. And it, it's, it looks way better now. I don't know why they ever did this. If I had to guess, uh, just from you know, somewhat of my knowledge of old houses, number one, they couldn't get a paint to match. But number two, and probably especially up in your area, the first time it iced over and they fell, they were like, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, and what I'll probably do is, because uh, there's like some strips of like, grit stuff you can put on top of stone to make it easier to like walk on. So I I think I'm going to look into doing that with this and kind of deep clean the the surface of the stone a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's granite. We're in the granite state fucking deal. Anywho, that that's my rant. I always forget that you live in the granite state. Yeah. It's awesome. I live in the keystone state. That's nothing. Quite literally, in fact. <laughs> well, uh, so, what are you drinking? Well, I was a little pressed for time this week since we were, you know, partying and working and doing X, Y, and Z. So I wasn't able to go to the liquor store to get something fresh, which I guess is probably in the best because that way we could start off season four with a couple of new bottles. But I. Decided to make a cocktail, because I haven't done a whole lot of those this season. I think actually, you know, last week may have been the only one I did. No damn. And I, so, I got thinking, and I said, you know, I'm going to make a John Collins. (laughs) Which, for those of you playing the home game, is a Tom Collins, but with whiskey. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, club, simple syrup, lemon juice, lemon slices, maraschino cherries, which would not fucking open... Uh, all the sugar coagulated on the top of the jar, and it took me about 10 minutes, and DJ's texting me like, are we recording tonight? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Did I just forget? Or No, I couldn't get the maraschino cherries open. It's not bad. Uh, I have not had one of these in a very long time. And my thought process was basically, 
I didn't much care for the drink last week, but I think that more had to do with the fact that I was drinking gin like a poor person. <laughs> so I said, uh, you know, everything, quite literally everything is better with whiskey. And uh, so I made the John Collins, and it's not bad. I like it. I just went a little heavy on the club because I was rushing, so it's a little weak. Uh, it, it is two shots of Crown Royal, but I went too heavy with the club, as you'll see in the photo uh, when this episode airs. Go on our Facebook and our Instagram, and you'll see the picture. Uh, but it's overall, it's good, and I recommend it. If you want something different to mix it up, especially on a warmer day, we've got a bit of a... Uh, you know, false summer here going on. We've had quite the warm-up the last seven to ten days here around the 1821 studios, so it's good on a hot day. It refreshes you a little bit. I do love a good John Collins. <laughs> My father actually came to the pig roast, and he's like, come on, I'll buy you a shot. And I said, okay. And he's like, naming all these, just he's just picking random bottles off the bar. And I'm like, I don't want any of these. And he's like, well, what do you want a shot of? I'm like, whiskey. <laughs> I drink whiskey. <laughs> and he just rolled his eyes at me. But everything is better with whiskey. Uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I actually really enjoy my drink today. Um, it's been hit or miss this season, I feel like. But uh, I picked up a bottle of uh, New Riffs uh, Ken- Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Um, and it is very good. It is also 100 proof, so I am going to be twirly soon. Hell Yeah! Um, but yeah, no, it's super, super good. It's got like a really good, like pepper punch, um, with a little bit of citrus, definitely some, some wood, but it's not like, you know, like Woodford Reserve is too much wood for me that this is just a hint. Um, and it, the, the, the actual taste of it, uh, is, it really just, it, it punches you. It's, it's got that good whiskey rye burn. But it finishes off in this really interesting way. And I was like, what is that? It tastes something dessert-y. And I, I finally, I couldn't figure it out. So I looked up their tasting notes finally. And they said it's vanilla buttercream. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's what that is. I do love that when you sit there and you're just like, what is that? And then you, you go and you look it up and you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to, like, vanilla and, and, like, sugar, toffee, those are some of my favorite flavors in whiskey. So I this is just perfect. And uh, it, it's, it's just a really good rye, man. It's not too thick. It's not, it, it's plenty dark. It's got that nice rye burn. It doesn't stick around all day. So um, definitely recommend it. New Riff, Kentucky Straight Rye. Uh, and it is 100% rye. They did uh, 95% of a rye build, and then the last 5% is malted rye. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. DJ Gagnon has wood. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> but not too much wood. <laughs> he has a socially acceptable... <laughs> I have just the right amount of wood, folks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> For fuck's sake, what's on Whiskey News? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you know how much I enjoy ungodly old slash expensive bottles of whiskey going to auction. Yes, I do. And this one is actually kind of, uh, neat. You know, earlier, uh, we actually <laughs> did, I think, <laughs> yes, I'll be here all week. Uh, earlier we did two episodes, I think actually on what is the oldest bottle of whiskey of any type period in the world. Well, in Hong Kong, 
very shortly, you will be able to get your hands on some of the oldest scotch whiskey in the world. It is a single malt that is uh, still in the barrel cask. And do you want to take a guess at how old they believe the cask to be? Mm, 70 years. Very close. 80. Damn. It still has the uh, dating slip on it or the remnants of it. It was from 1940. It's been in oak sealed since 1940. Uh, Now, what's interesting about this is now this first one they're going to make a little bit of a a bigger deal about. Uh, It's going to be in a special one-off crystal decanter designed by a Hong Kong artist. It's going to come in an oak case with a certificate of authenticity and the whole nine yards. Uh, They expect it to run between $100,000 and $200,000 for this bottle, which uh, I'm looking at the picture of, uh, I guess it's the render of what this is going to look like. I don't think this is the actual bottle. But... It's not even a fifth. I mean, it's it's a couple glasses, but it's not even a fifth. But don't fret. If you don't have $200,000, uh, they have decided that they are going to release an additional 249 decanters of this scotch periodically over the next year or so. So they've, they found this uh, oak cask. They cracked it open, and they have proportioned it into 250 uh, unique crystal decanters, which will be floating out in the world. That's amazing. So if you got a spare quarter mill and you don't want to buy a Ferrari, there's some 80-year-old single malt scotch floating around. That's so good. Isn't it, though? What about you? What are we doing for Tools of the Trade? Well, I figured as we're closing out the season um, that kind of the next natural progression of our bar tool setup is to start talking about glasses. Yeah, that's a good call. Uh, because that will take me four seasons to actually get through. Um, but I thought to kind of start it off, I would talk about kind of a unique set of uh, beer glasses that I found out about a few years ago. And I actually did a little bit of research here. And um, so to kind of give a little bit of background for our listeners, every kind of beer seems to have its own kind of glass. So if you're a bit of a beer snob, you might, you know, have Pilsner glasses. You might have, you know, stout glasses. You might have lager glasses. Most people I know just drink beer out of pipe glasses, bottles, or cans. But if you want to really get into the beer hobby, uh, you, you can certainly start getting different glasses. Uh, my personal favorite beer glass, um, we had the opportunity to... Uh, take some friends and go do the Sam Adams Brewer tour like four years ago, five years ago. I don't remember how long it was. Um, and the Sam Adams uh, Brewery gives you, when you take a tour, they give you one of their beer glasses. And they're really cool shaped. They're amazing. Yeah, uh, they are. And they have the etching on the bottom and everything. They're the balls. Yeah. And it's that etching that I really wanted to talk about because I didn't actually understand uh, like how all of that worked. Uh, so they're when you go into looking into like fancy beer glasses, you can get what's called these nucleated glasses. And all that means is that uh, they've been etched on the inside of the bottom of the glass. Uh, Usually you'll see these, you know, sometimes it might be a little star. Sometimes it might be a design. Sometimes it might be the logo. Um, 
it all kind of depends on who's making the glass. But the idea of the etching is that it breaks up the even surface of the bottom of the glass and it facilitates more bubbles. It's really all it does. It, it releases the CO2 faster and you can actually put like a normal pint glass and a nucleated pint glass side by side with the same beer in them and you can see a lot more bubbles in the nucleated glass. It's really cool. And the idea here is that um, you know, depending on who you talk to, most breweries agree that the head of a beer, uh, it's kind of like when you, uh, when you make a cocktail that has mint in it, you crush, uh, it, you know, lightly crush some some sprig of mint and you put it in the glass, or you might express the oils over a cocktail, and it's kind of that you're getting that aromatic layer to the cocktail. It's the same thing with beer. The, the head uh, gives it a different aromatic profile. It gives it a different flavor profile, uh, different mouthfeel. So uh, the downside to nucleated glasses is that if you're the kind of person that likes to nurse your beer, that beer is going to go flat fast. So this is not something I would recommend doing if you're just sitting down and having a beer that you're going to nurse for a while. Just put that in a normal pint glass or in a bottle, uh, but but nucleated glasses are really good if you're if you're gonna you don't have to pound it, but if you're gonna drink it regularly, um, you know you'll have more of a head of the beer. It'll release more carbonation, and you'll you'll kind of get a more consistent flavor profile. There you have it, folks. So you know if you put a nipple, if, you, if your baby bottle needs a nipple, no go. <laughs> so you know. Some of the old fucks at Conrad's wouldn't be able to do that. And the whole head thing is interesting. I am a person who generally I want almost no head on my beer. You know, I, I, I pride myself on being able to tap a beer pretty much headless unless there are exterior forces. But I know some people really want that fucking foam. Yeah, I, I think there's so many factors that go into, like, getting a head on a glass of beer. You know, it, it depends on the temperature of your beer and what you've got in the lines and all sorts of stuff and how you pour it. Uh, I've watched some like, hey, I'm like the Guinness brewmaster and here's how I recommend pouring a Guinness kind of videos. And most of them seem to agree that there should be a head on the beer. Honestly, I have like maybe five or six beers a year so like this is just not an issue for me uh i i don't really care like i i generally will drink sam adams in a uh, I, i'm a glass so cold that it could chip your teeth yeah i'm with you i i, I don't want a frosted glass i want a frozen fucking glass mm-hmm. if somebody can figure out how to make a glass out of ice that doesn't melt very fast i'd be happy with it yeah, there's an idea. <laughs> we used to have an ice bar around here, and then ironically enough, the actual bar that used to have it as a winter attraction burned down, <laughs> which was kind of the ultimate irony. That's amazing. I mean, not amazing, but amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those, like, wait, what? <laughs> but that gets us into our topic this week. Uh, this week, we're talking bar trivia. Yeah, and I mean, me being me, I am a basic 
crotchety fuddy-duddy. So I decided to stick with, you know, our beloved brown liquor. I, I tried to find as many just whiskey facts, whiskey tidbits, whiskey snippets, things that will hopefully win you bar bets. Mm. I, I think you went a little bit more broad, did you not? I did. I actually don't have a single fact about whiskey, figuring you would, you would kind of stick with it. Well, that's good. So how do you want to do this? Do we, do we want to rotate like lightning round here? Do you want to feed me? I'll feed you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, why don't we go one back and forth, uh, and then when we hit the bottom of whichever list comes first, we can, we can, uh, we, we can call it there. Unless there's All some right. really cool stuff that, that one of us wants to share. Well, I, I feel I should start because I think you'll like this. You, right. you, you probably know this one. What does whiskey mean in Gaelic? Oh, I don't know. Water of life. <laughs> That's amazing. Isn't it, though? <laughs> I like that. All right. My first one is, uh, do you know what the origin of the word cocktail is? I can't say I do. Um, it is... It can be traced back to horse traders. And no, I don't have dates because I'm not a historian. Um, but on, uh, it, it was common for horse traders to be able to get more money for horses if their tails were cocked up rather than just kind of dragging. Okay. So, you know, tail cocked, cocktail. Uh, but the, <laughs> the reason why it translated to drinks is that um, some unsavory horse traders in order to get their horses tails to cock would shove ginger and or pepper in areas where a horse may not want said thing to get the tail to cock. (laughs) And then that kind of over time translated into like putting things into liquor uh, to kind of like, cock your tail to like wake you up to 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 punch you up a little bit so that is the origin of the word cocktail well knowing is half the battle and now we know (laughs) (laughs) all right well you yeah i do have dates because i am a historian so (laughs) we were talking uh during prohibition about just the rather high rate of consumption of hard liquor in America prior prior to Prohibition. So I decided to go back a little bit further, uh, and I found what I believe to be the peak of American consumption. Okay. At least for whiskey, anyway. And it was the year 1830. And the average American... Now, again, as we talked about during the Prohibition episode, this means that it averages out to every man, woman, and child. So, you know, obviously people were drinking more because some people weren't drinking at all. But the average American consumption of just whiskey was 88 bottles per year. That's amazing. That's like, damn, that's... It's almost two a week. That's so, wow. (laughs) That's so much whiskey, considering, like, I maybe drink a glass or two every week. Yeah, I'll, I'll have two or three glasses a week, and the wife's like, hmm, <laughs> uh, you're recording today, I hope? You know, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's just under two bottles. And when you figure, again, 
since that was an average, I mean, I'll, quite a few people in America were actually drinking more than two bottles a week. Sweet which Jesus. is just, it's just staggering. I feel like I would, I would be dehydrated very quickly. Dude, I love whiskey, but even at my peak with Lou, I don't think we drank that much a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we drank a lot. Uh, all right. What is the oldest cocktail? Oh. The, let's uh, say the oldest recorded cocktail as we understand them today. That's okay. I was going to say scotch and water, but that's not really a cocktail. Uh, as we understand them today. Irish coffee. Uh, no, it is actually the Sazerac. No shit. Yeah, uh, it, this may be apocryphal, but the Sazerac was rumored to have been created by... Uh, Antoine Peychaud of Peychaud's Bitters in his apothecary in 1838. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right, you. Whiskey is the official state beverage of one state in the United States. Do you want to guess what it is? Kentucky. No, believe it or not. <laughs> Damn it. It's, it's actually Alabama. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. I didn't, I didn't much understand that one myself, but... <laughs> It should be Kentucky, but I, I, although I think their actual beverage is the Kai, I think it's a mint julep, but, so it's technically whiskey. Mm-hmm. All uh, right, you go. Call back. What is the oldest cocktail book? Oh, the Bon Vivant's Companion. Yeah, what year? Uh, 62, 1862. Yeah, very good. You. Uh... Following up on that sort of, uh, our good friend Jack Daniels, he, of course, you know, the, the famous story, apocryphal or not, but the official story, according to the distillery, is that he learned to make whiskey to distill from a Lutheran minister when he was just a small boy. How old was Jack Daniels when he began distilling under this minister? Mm, seven. Oh, you're close. Six. Damn. <laughs> I figured it was a ridiculous age. It is. It's an insanely ridiculous number. Uh, Okay. What is the difference between shaking a cocktail and stirring a cocktail? (laughs) Well, we know that, you know, you create more friction, so the ice melts faster when you shake it. Uh, You generally get more... uh, not compression, Jesus, I'm being stupid. Carbonation, that's the word I'm looking for, bubbles. <laughs> and, uh, well, it's less of an even mix, as you, you explained with your wonderful bar spoon uh, mm-hmm. tutorial. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm going to come back to this question next, but you go first. This is a trick question, because this one threw me. Because uh, it makes you think. You, you, you know the gimmick behind it, but it still mm-hmm. makes you think. How much Scotch whiskey is made in Scotland? Like percentage. What's the percentage? Uh, isn't it a hundred percent? It's ninety percent. Because remember, there's the Japanese Scotch where they import <laughs> oh, no. the Scotch. Yeah. There's the, the import. It's the same thing. That one threw me too. I was like, well, wait a minute. Hang on. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, when you, when would you stir a cocktail? Uh, according to you, always. No. 
No. Uh, that, apparently, that, when you're making a martini, as I've been so rudely yelled at upon Twitter about. <laughs> no, the answer we're looking for is if you're making a cocktail that is more spirit forward, that is meant to kind of celebrate the spirit and only accent it. Well, there you go. All right, you. The Scotch whiskey industry produces an income of how much every second? Oh, Jesus. Uh, $100,000. No, no. $175, but still. Oh, okay. $175 every second. I, I would have been like, oh, that would have been a lot of money, but okay. That's still a lot of money. It is. <laughs> Uh, okay, what is the word for a bitter herbal liqueur? A bitter herbal liqueur? Yeah. Like a brand or just a type? A type. It's like, the, it, the, it is a category of liqueurs. Ah. Uh. I, I'm drawing a blank. I feel like it's really obvious, but I'm drawing uh, a blank. Do, do you want a hint? Yes. They have their origins in Italy. Oh, uh, well, they're not bitter. The, the, vermouth isn't bitter. No, vermouth doesn't count. Oh. Vermouth isn't uh, in this category. Well, then, then they have their origins in Italy. Mm-hmm. I'm still drawing a blank. It's probably fucking obvious, but I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Amaro's. Oh, okay. No, that was, I was nowhere near that, so uh, okay. Uh, the two most common Amaro's that we would know here in the U.S. are Campari and Aperol. Oh, yeah. See, I'm not a big Campari guy, so okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I, I, I mean, went, it's I fine. I for that one. You did. You did, you bastard. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to pull out the heavy hitter now. <laughs> Whiskey is one of the primary components of what popular condiment? Do you say condiment? Yep. Is it Worcestershire? Nope. Is it Tabasco. Oh, no. What? I mean, it's very trace amounts. You can't, like, drink it and get drunk, obviously. But, yeah, whiskey is actually in Tabasco. That's amazing. That's a fun little fact. Uh, Okay, what is the difference between muddling and expressing? Uh, muddling, you basically, I don't want to say smash them up, but you, you smush them, you squeeze them, you grind them. You put a, you put a thing in the glass and you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Callaway bartends. Nah, you got to muddle it up, see? Ah. And expressing. And expressing, you make a declarative statement. No, expressing <laughs> is when you squeeze like a peel over a drink. I was gonna say, oh, I was gonna say squeeze it. God damn it! <laughs> oh, All right, go. The uh, what is the earliest production record we have for whiskey? The earliest year that we have definitive, hardcore historical proof that whiskey was produced. Hmm. Is it in the 1600s? Nope, earlier. Oh, wow. I have no idea. 1494. Jesus. Yeah, we've been making whiskey a long time as humans. That's amazing. 
Uh, all right. So my the next section of questions, I did a few for wine. So uh, how many glasses? I'm going to get none of these, but th- go ahead. It's fine. How many glasses of wine are in a standard bottle of wine? Eight. Uh, no. Uh, between four and six. Usually about five. Okay. Uh, what year was the first year that the Scottish Parliament began taxing whiskey? So the Scotch. Um... I don't know, 1600s? 1644. Whoa, I got pretty close. You were pretty close. Uh, All right. How many bottles of wine are in the largest wine bottle? How many bottles are in the largest wine bottle? Yeah. 10. 20. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, It's uh, 15 liters of wine, and the bottle is called the Nebuchadnezzar. Woof. <laughs> Just woof. I know it's I don't know how you'd pour it. All right, I've I've got one for you. I had to pull it up here, but I've got one for you. How tall is the world's largest bottle of single malt scotch? It's actually on display at a museum in Edinburgh. It's a real thing, but how tall is it? Is it a full story? I don't know how tall a full story is. Uh, this this is this, this eight, has the actual. Eight, eight, somewhere between eight and ten feet. Okay, no, it's not that tall. Oh, okay, it's four foot nine inches. That's still impressive. And it contains one hundred and five point three liters oh, of geez. single malt scotch, which would serve. They converted it for you five thousand two hundred and fifty one drams. Jesus, <laughs> that's a lot of single malt. Yeah, holy crap. Uh, do you know what the difference is, uh, what the different words that are used to describe the um, the smell of wine when it's young versus old? Well, it's the match, maturation, right? It's more mature, less mature? It is, but there's there are specific words to describe the smell. Uh, well, I mean, how do old people smell? Uh, you know, what's the, uh, uh, mothballs. It smells like mothballs. No, <laughs> no. So young, the, the, uh, the smell of a young wine is referred to as its aroma. And the smell of an old wine is, perf- is referred to as its mellow. Mm. Getting bougie. Okay. We are getting bougie. Uh, here, here is some, you mentioned Kentucky earlier, so this isn't a question, this is just a statement, but I find it fascinating. Kentucky, which is also a commonwealth, much like uh, Pennsylvania here, Kentucky is home to more barrels of maturing bourbon than people. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> all right, my last facts are all about beer. Okay. What year did beer become legal in Iceland? In Iceland? Yeah. Oh, that's a proud Viking country. 1580. 1989. Dear God above. <laughs> All right, well, that's a bombshell, and I, I've, I've got one that we'll end it on. I have a few more, but some of them are yeah, but this is a bombshell. I did not know this. All right. According to statistics from, well, 2018, so I guess they're a few years old, 
but what were the what uh, country possessed the leading uh, whiskey drinkers? So who right now is drinking the most whiskey per capita? Now this is just specifically whiskey, not alcohol in general. Um, is it Ireland? No, it's actually France. Oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> That is that. That's kind of amazing. I would never have guessed France. No, you could have literally given me ten guesses, and I'd be like, "It's us." No, it's Scotland. No, it's Ireland. No, well, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm splitting this next question into a two-parter. Uh, where is the world's most alcoholic beer from, and what is it called? I'm going to say Norway, and it's called. The Black Mass. It's from Scotland. Okay. And it's called Snake Venom. Fitting. All right, you go. Does it come in a snake? I can't tell you yet. Oh. Hang on. We already did that one. The... Again, as of 2018, how many licensed distilleries were there in the United States of America? Oh, my God. Uh, like, I, two, no, 5,000? You were right the first time, just over 2,000. Oh, damn. Uh, okay, how strong by ABV is snake venom? Well, my buddy Ed that I used to race with, he pitted just behind me. He ran a dragster. Shout out, Ed, if you're listening. Don't know why the fuck he would be. Uh, but he was a beer snob of all beer snobs. And so he used to tell me about some wild beers. And I know some of the ABVs he talked about were insane. So I'm going to say 62%. Uh, you're really close at 67.5%. <laughs> And it comes in a normal beer bottle, so it does not come in a snake, but it does have a green label with a snake on it. He actually had, at the track one night, it was 47 point something percent. Jeez. And it was, the bottle looked like a lantern or something, if I remember. I don't remember a whole hell of a lot, if we're being brutally honest, (laughs) when we pass this around. But yeah, it was like 47.7 or 47.5%, and he got it from some European country, and he was all excited, and he gave me some, and I was like, dude, I've drank rot gut whiskey that's smoother than this. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it sounds honestly like the worst beer in the world to me because it's made with smoked peat malt. See, I'd probably like it then. Both (laughs) champagne yeast and ale yeast. Yeah, I'd be all about that. Oh, can't do it. Well, th- again, this is just a, uh, a little blurb, but uh, this ties in with our last three episodes. Even though Prohibition ended, once the United States entered World War II, uh, they actually prohibited the production of, the distilling and production of whiskey within the borders of the state. It wasn't, you could still import it, you could still buy it, but you couldn't produce whiskey in America because we wanted to keep all of the barley and rye and everything going to make food for the war effort. And that was not lifted until 1946. It actually carried on for like almost a year after the war. Holy crap. All right. I, I got my last fact here, and this isn't even something I can ask you. I just wanted to just share this. 
Okay. So there is, in Austria, a brewery called the Starkenberger Brewery, where for a few hundred euros, you can spend two hours swimming in their beer. <laughs> you could literally Scrooge McDuck it. Yeah, they have a, they have a beer pool that they fill up. Uh, they recommend you don't drink the beer pool. But, um, yeah, you can swim for in beer for a couple of hours. Well, I will end us on a fellow wall of weird uh, uh, note there for the fans of Smallville. So you can go swimming in beer. And, DJ, did you know if you are a high enough level diabetic and if you aren't on insulin or some other medical regimen and your sugar levels are kind of out of control, you can harness your urine and distill it into a drinkable whiskey due to its high sugar content. Jesus. So someone somewhere needs to make a Wilford Brimley whiskey. Oh, God. Diabetes. Diabetes. This is my double diabetes, double cask diabetes. Oh, God. I'm going to hell for that bit. Oh man, Mark, does that mean we're does that mean the episode's over? Oh, I mean, I'm gonna be sad now, but I, I think it does. What are we gonna do uh, next season? I mean, we're coming back. We're oh we're absolutely coming back. We're gonna have a few more guests, we're gonna do some more topics. Believe it or not, there are still a few topics from our original list we made way back over a year ago when we were plotting this that we haven't got to. There's not many. Uh, but there's still a few we're going to get to. Uh, we still have some console war discussions to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always going to have loads of hot takes. Or as you <laughs> reminded me this week, overs and unders, as we used to call them. <laughs> overs and unders, yeah. It was, it was a different time back then, guys. <laughs> we, we were learning. We were learning. Um, so, no, we're going we're gonna to come back. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have some trailers of some description uh, in the few weeks that we're off, just as soon as you know, DJ and I think of something that we think is funny. Because <laughs> you, you got to understand, that's the gimmick with the trailers. They're not actually funny, but we think they are. <laughs> yeah, we have fun making them. You yes. may not like them. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so don't fret. The Wit and Whiskey will be back, as DJ said, uh, pretty close to Halloween. I think that might be our next special, maybe could be. I think uh, so. I think it would be really fun to do Halloween. Um, there might even be like a two-parter there we could do with some like, uh, maybe we could do like haunted bars and distilleries or something like that. Yeah. I mean, we, we can find some, some good shit there. And, you know, so go to, go to your nearest Hall- Halloween city, your nearest party city, Spirit Halloween, whatever, whatever the pop-up chain of your choice is around the spooky months, buy some props. You can get, here's a pro tip. You know, this could be my tools of the trade right here. (laughs) You can get some decent plastic flasks at these Halloween stores. And no, they're not going to hold up, but for the 4 to $8 you're going to pay for these, you will get your money's worth out of them because you'll get at least three or four uses out of them. Mm -hmm. So that's my uh, pro tip there for the drunk on the go. Go to Spirit Halloween buy a flask, and when we come back, it will be the spooky season, and we'll be ready to go. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. I've, I've got some plans for Tools of the Trade for next season that should be fun, and we're, we're going to start chatting about new guests. Yes. And maybe bring back some old ones. 
We may bring back some old guests. We may bring back some old whiskeys. Um, there's a few of them. I've been looking at my notes from past episodes, ones I liked, ones I didn't like, and there's a few of them that I'm like, eh, man, maybe we'll try it again, see if I still like it, see if I don't like it. Because as we discussed on our one-year anniversary, both of our palettes have evolved a bit. Definitely. So I think uh, a review of some of them might not be the worst idea in the world. I'm determined to find a pumpkin whiskey. Oh, I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, I want to review a pumpkin whiskey sometime this fall. And hey, that's a great segue, because we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Gmail. Uh, if you know of a pumpkin whiskey, or if you have a pumpkin whiskey, write to us. <laughs> uh, we're the Wit and Whiskey cast, no H in Wit, but there is an E in Whiskey. You know, that actually was one of my facts on this list, was it was one of the early ones I found on a website, was both spellings of whiskey are correct, stop fighting children, was basically what it said. <laughs> uh, but we do put an E in Whiskey, so, you know, if you know of a... Know of a pumpkin whiskey or know of any whiskey that you want us to try. If you have any ideas for a topic, any ideas for a guest, uh, please write to us. Follow us on all the various streaming pod-based services where you cast your pods. Podbean, Google Podcast, iTunes. You guys all know the drill by now. We're almost 60 episodes in. Follow us. Subscribe to us. Uh, you know, if you can get into the RSS feed, you'll automatically get the episodes as soon as they drop. You know, 8 a.m. Friday, 8.01, boom, you're going to have the newest episode. Give us a rating if you like what we're doing or if you don't like what you're doing. Hey, you know, I'm always in the mood to argue with somebody. So <laughs> uh, give us a rating and we'll go from there. Uh, shout out to Nuno Henry Silva, as always, for our intro and outro. He's been with us from the beginning through all three seasons. We love him. Uh, we're going to send you to a SoundCloud and, uh, you know, send you to his book. And hopefully, maybe by the time of season four, there might be a new book. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, so that's that. We're going to go on our, you know, little season break. But don't fret. We're coming back, folks. I'm looking and, forward to it. And until then, you know, a big salute to you all. Cheers. Cheers.